Thank you, Natalie, for that extremely warm and um, humbling um, introduction. We're very humbled to be here, and thank you for inviting us. It's a great pleasure to be in this building. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we're gathered here today, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Um, Stuart and I are really lucky to live on Wurundjeri country further north around the Merry Creek and we're very humbled um, and grateful for the inspiration that it gives us to write songs. Um, we'd like to acknowledge that we're descended from, um, from settlers who, whose presence in this country has dispossessed um, Kulin Nation's people from their land. So a lot of our songwriting and our research is about trying to understand more about, about history, post-settlement and the landscape and, um, and connect more to the place that we live in. Um, we would like to pay our respects to all Kulin Nation's elders, past, present, future, emerging. And um, we would like to acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. The songs that we're going to play today are a mixture of new songs and songs from our previous records. Um, a lot of the songs that we've picked today are related to waterways because that's the theme that we're, we're singing and performing about today. And um, we have a whole lot of new songs as well that we've written as part of the, the Creative Fellowship that Natalie spoke about. And so those will be coming later this year and they're based about... Um, they're based on Western waterways that we'll talk a little bit more about throughout this particular show. And at the end, there'll be some time for questions if you have any questions. And of course, there's much that we don't know about the waterways and about some of the maps and images that we'll be showing tonight. And I'm sure there's a lot of knowledge held within this room um, about the landscape. So we, we welcome um, any information that you wish to share and your knowledge about um, this beautiful um, place that we all live in. So we're gonna start with one of our new songs that we wrote just after we started the fellowship and we started walking around the waterways that, um, that we thought we knew. And then of course, every time we visit, there's so much that we don't know and every visit prompts more questions. So this is a new song called Mooney Mooney Chain of Ponds, which is about, of course, Mooney Ponds Creek, which is just nearby. Mooney Mooney Chain of Ponds with your reeds and your black swans. Mooney, moony chain of ponds with your reeds and your black swans. Mooney, moony chain of ponds with your reeds and your black swans. Mooney, moony chain of ponds with your reeds and your black swans. Mooney, moony chain of ponds with your reeds and your black swans. 
This is the railway I've come to bring your edges parallel And To carry the cold that feeds me Mooney, Mooney, chain of ponds With your reeds and your black swans Mooney, Mooney, chain of ponds with your reeds and your black swans Mooney, Mooney, chain of ponds With your reeds and your black swans Mooney, Mooney, chain of ponds with your reeds and your black swans This is the railway Mooney, Mooney, chain of Thank you. Tonight we'll be speaking in between each song and, and talking a little bit, bit about its background and how it was written and, um, and showing you some references to it. And as you can see up on the screen, that's a, what we're calling a song map, um, which is something that we started drawing um, last year when we started the fellowship. As I was doing a lot of reading and as, as we were reading about the landscape, then we would make a lot of notes, like in a journal or a notebook, like the way a lot of people work when they're researching or, um, or preparing to paint a painting or write a book. And all the same words kept coming up about the landscape and different stories. And so when I would flip back through my notebook, it was all kind of, it was linear and it was all compiled in a, in a kind of haphazard line. So I wasn't sure how I could connect everything that I wanted to think about in one place. So my first instinct was to roll out a really large piece of paper and start recording it on a large sheet on a table that I just stuck to the table in the office that we were given, which was a great luxury um, to have an office because Stuart and I usually work at our kitchen table, which is also a luxurious um, space to work on the kitchen table and eat and drink around what we're doing. But it's nice to have a designated area. Um, so I had this big bit of paper and I started writing lists of words and as I, I learned more about um, the different industries that, that um, were occupying all the waterways region of West Melbourne, so this particular map is about West Melbourne, then I started writing lyrics and kind of ideas within the song map. And then on days when I had no inspiration and I didn't know what to do, I would just do cross-hatching. So... 
the sky up there, um, Shinbona Reserve up in the corner, which represents North Melbourne because North Melbourne is the home of the abattoirs and, of course, North Melbourne Football Club um, is known as it has the, um, the nickname or um, alternative name of Shinbona Spirit and I think that refers to the abattoirs um, and all the abattoir workers who would have played for North Melbourne or South... No, North Melbourne... Um, no, I digress. I'm not going to go into, foot, into football history because that's not my area of knowledge. And I'm sure there are people in the room who know a lot more about that. That was a, a little brain digression that I will clamp down on and save for a future time. But a lot of the songs that we're going to play today are about the area where we are right now. So they're about West Melbourne and the area known as West Melbourne Swamp, which is just just out there, just beyond those windows. And it's kind of nice. I imagine everyone as they arrived here to the library at the dock, you can't help but see the water and think about this area as a place where so many goods and so many people kind of um, arrived and and came into Melbourne. And now um, it's also a residential area, so there's a lot of, uh, of life kind of going on around here um, in the next phase of, of its journey um, into the future. Um, but there's still remnants of the past there. And I have to say, I was born in 1978 at the Mercy Hospital by the banks of the Birrung, and it wasn't until I was probably... I don't know, 32, that I learned um, the Yarra's name is actually the Birrung. And so much, um, there's so much, so many layers of history. As somebody who's lived in Melbourne, and I, I've almost turned 40, I turned 40 in a couple of months, and there's so much that I'm just learning every day as more and more um, maps and resources are digitised by libraries and put up online, as more books are written that draw together all these connections about industrial history, about social history, about natural sciences, and of course, um, Indigenous knowledge systems and, um, and the very long and enduring um, history of Indigenous people in Australia. So this is a journey. So maps are a big part of what what we're interested in and we draw a lot of maps to try and make sense of um, the material that we're looking at. But of course, that is not to scale and um, the distances between um, locations are completely false and do not ever use any map that we create for um, I changed the map and it might be to scale this one, sorry. but um. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, this is a good map. Um, well, it's, a, it's a, an official map. This is the earliest map that we've come across um, post-settlement. It's from the State Library of Victoria collection. It's an 1837 map by Robert Russell showing the early settlement of what was, was Melbourne. And it also shows a beautiful salt lake up um, to the, on the, your left or on my, my right, which is, <laughs> which is over there. So... Um, that's kind of the beginning of our story of working on the, the State Library Fellowship was to find this lake. Now, this lake some of you may know of as the Blue Lake um, of West Melbourne Swamp. It was described by an early historian of Melbourne, George McRae, as a beautiful shallow lake filled with salt water. Um, it had a bed of a kind of bluish clay. It was surrounded by um, Carpabrutus rossi, which is a beautiful succulent salt-loving plant, which some of you may know as pig's face. So it has a big, beautiful pink um, round of petals and, and yellow in the centre 
I think you can eat it as well. And it loves all the salt marsh areas. Um, and I see lots of nodding, so I'm sure there's lots of people who know a, a lot about this landscape. So, of course, the Blue Lake was out there in between where we are here and roughly Footscray, so pretty much halfway. And it was really beautiful and it was tidal. It was fed by groundwater. It was also fed by tides. And there were chains of ephemeral ponds, like the end of Mooney Ponds Creek was a chain of ephemeral ponds. Um, and it was a really, it was the Birrarung and the Maribyrnong Delta. And it was prone to flooding and it was rich with bird life. There were so many birds that in early accounts people said sometimes if you startled the birds the sky would turn black because there were that many ducks and that many swans um, and a whole lot of other birds which I know there are bird um, ornithologists in the audience so I will not even try to go beyond my very um, kind of local um, knowledge of, of like four or five birds. But... There were lots of swans, lots of ducks. Oh, and did we move through um, the image of the, yes, the game sellers? Of course, this is an early image from 1875 from the Argus um, by a, um, an artist. I only came across it a few days ago. Hugh George is his name, and that's from 1875, and it shows game sellers in Melbourne who would go out to the West um, Melbourne Swamp and they would shoot game and they would bring the game into town and sell game on the street. So you can see that there's um, swans, ducks, and some rabbits, because rabbits are, were introduced and, of course, ran wild through all, um, all, of, all of Victoria. And then moving on to the next slide... I don't have a pointer, I'm afraid, and Stu said he would kindly um, improvise and I'll respond. Be You'll be the clicker. So all of this beautiful landscape, you may ask, where is it now? Why can't I see this blue lake that, that you speak of? And that is because it was dredged away. It was filled in. It was covered over. And that leads us to our next song that we're going to sing about it. But the blue lake was, of course fed by, well, it was fed by all the waterways that flowed down to this beautiful um, delta. And so, of course, all the waste from abattoirs upstream, from overflowing sewerage, of course, the sewerage system wasn't installed until 1892. So most people were kind of flushing their waste into the gutters that would then go into the nearest waterway and would then feed out into the beautiful Birrarung and Maribyrnong Delta. So the area quickly became very covered in sewage and polluted and, and smelled. It was filled with waste from the abattoirs, so um, animal products and um, caustic agents used to in wool scouring, in tanneries, in... There are a few other reasons why it got really... Um, damaged also cattle cattle used to graze around the west melbourne swamp area so they trampled it in and it became i think it was described as a morass um and people spoke of a miasma in the zone which was like invisible or visible vapors of of germs and horribleness because it was so polluted and so sadly it was seen as an it was an eyesore and it was considered um, very undesirable. So there were moves to fill it in um, and to kind of make the land more useful in a kind of post-settlement commercial sense. So that involved dredging and infilling. Now the dredging and infilling wasn't solely to remove 
Oh, no, feel free to go ahead. Um, we have a list of what these images are at the end, but I'm afraid I'll kind of loosely talk around them and talk to them. So the image that you can see behind me, I think is a Charles Nettleton image from the State Library of Victoria of the dredging that was occurring in around, I'll check my notes, 1885. So this dredging was part of, was twofold. It was to ease drainage problems and flooding in the area and it was also to create a more expedient passage for ships that were coming in and they would get stuck on an area of the Birrung that curved around called Humbug Bend and so it was thought if we made a, a more direct channel that was deeper then the ships could get to the Port of Melbourne more quickly and they needed a bigger dock so um, Sir John Coode who was a, a an English engineer, was commissioned to come up with a new plan and he wrote extensive reports on all the issues in the area and came up with a new plan and dredged and dug a new shipping canal. Now, there's extensive information on that in a number of reports that are held in um, by the State Library and other collecting institutions. So if you wish to look into some of the um, primary sources, then you can find those online freely um, by kind of searching them on, on the State Library's catalogue. So I won't go into all of that detail because from our perspective, um, Stuart and I have been absorbing all this information and then we kind of sit with it for a while and then slowly, I guess like sediment, things fall to the bottom, some things float up and then they settle down again and then you're left with an idea or a way forward to write a song. Well, that's kind of what's happened for us. So this is the area just underneath where the present city link is, an area called Dudley Flats. And some of you may have been at a talk this week um, with David Sornig two nights ago. He's written a book about the Blue Lake and the surrounding area of West Melbourne Swamp where a lot of homeless people built um, housing for themselves along the edge of the Blue Lake um, and West Melbourne Swamp because it was an area that was outside of jurisdiction. It wasn't really controlled by City of Melbourne and it wasn't really controlled by the Harbour Trust and it was kind of on the border of the City of Footscray. So it was an area that people couldn't be moved off of very easily. So this is an image from the 1930s from the Oswald Barnett Collection um, which is held by the State Library. And there are articles about how Coode Island, before it was a chemical storage facility, was actually a nature reserve um, and it was often visited by the Field Naturalist Club of Victoria where they sighted rare birds and um, have found like new species of or described new species of insect and um, it was a very it was a very protected area because it was surrounded by the Coode Canal and completely cut off from the rest of Melbourne. No foxes or cats could get in there, so the birds were nesting on the ground, which was a really um, rare and unusual occurrence because everywhere else they were under threat from um, invasive species who, who would attack them. Well, the headline might give the impression that they were being attacked as well. Oh, yeah, by, and by humans. And here, this amazing photo is from um, between the 50s and the 60s of West Melbourne Swamp. Uh, an area of it was used as a tip. Um, and as you can see, it's filled with rubbish. I can identify cabbage in the foreground. Um, and yeah, I eat a lot of cabbage, but I eat the end of it. Um, I don't throw it away, but there's not a lot of plastic. I think it's mainly paper um, and refuse in that image. But that's from the State Library of Victoria collection. Um, from the City Power collection. But at, as you can see, like the whole area was just used. It was 
it was used as a rubbish tip and it wasn't really cared about um, and it was destroyed. It was a beautiful tidal lagoon area that was destroyed. This is Coot Island um, from the 1950s onwards um, when it was a chemical storage facility and held a lot of fuel. This is a particular area that was um, occupied by an oil company and, um, and they set up some of the earliest tanks that you will be familiar with if you drive over the Westgate Bridge. So this was after it was a nature reserve. It was, it was pretty much used from the 50s onwards for chemicals as the containerization of freight um, became popular and the need for larger ships to visit the port um, meant that all that land was, was used for industrial purposes. So it lost its kind of... Um, its isolation as a, as a potential reserve um, was not deemed sufficient to protect it. So here in this image, um, one day when Stu and I went on our, one of our psychogeography trips, we stopped at the um, Reverence Hotel in Footscray, which is a really old pub that's on Whitehall Street. And up on their wall, they had that top photo of, um, that shows the old course of the Yarra River up the top, the Birrung. And you can see how it doesn't quite end. It's beginning to silt over. And that's what happened to the old course once they dug the new channel, the Cood Shipping Canal. They left the old course and it just gradually silted over. But of course, because water has a very long memory and it still runs through that area, there's still a pipe there and the water still flows through that pipe um, which is the original course of the Birrung. And you can see on the left photo, we found the pipe where the original course of the Birrung still flows through. And it's right, it's coming out of Coot Island, just opposite Footscray, where there's a big um, goods um, warehouse that used to be Lonely Planet's offices, offices. So it's directly opposite there. And you can see in that map at the bottom, it shows um, the new canal and the old course of the Yarra. So that this image we we put together to kind of show over time how a, how how a water course disappears and how the landscape changes and how you can find that evidence um, through maps through your own investigation and also through chance um, beer at a pub and we looked up and thought that's that's what we're interested in. Well, because we'd been there before and I didn't notice that image and I said, um, where did that image come from? And the publican who was reasonably new, said um, we found it in a skip out the back of the pub. So, um, yeah, that was yeah, great. Yeah, so they brought it inside and now it's um, pride of place in their front bar. So this is another song map. So this is another... This is one of the song maps we started um, that was lists lists of words and, and also, I guess, a way of putting kind of um, collapsing space and time because when you're thinking about the history of a place, it... I often think in a really linear way and it's really hard to kind of sometimes unjumble my mind because I've got images from the 50s kind of sitting next to images of the 1870s in my head at the same time. So I just collapse them all into the same place, into this song map drawing. So as we learned more, more things were added to this song map and it's probably about, in real life, it's about maybe one metre by half a metre. And when we were at the library, we were lucky we could get it photographed by the digitisation team at the library because it's very hard when you're in your own house to get a photo of a large drawing. You have to stand on a high ladder and look down. It's quite dangerous. So I don't We've try tried. to do that very much. 
Um, so this was also about learning the name of Melbourne, which is Nam or Nerm. Um, there's two spellings that we've come across, um, which is the um, Wurundjeri and Boonwurrung um, name for the place of the two great bays, which is what we know as Port Phillip Bay and Western Port Bay is Nam. So you might have noticed online that people are beginning to talk about Melbourne um, as Nam or Nerm and you might see that that come up like I've noticed a lot of events um, on social media are, are naming Nam as the place that we are so it's really great to make for us to to learn more about the place we've lived all our life and to learn um, its older names. Part B, the Kodak factory near the confluence of the Merry Creek and the Birrung. And all those images are freely available and you can download them um, on the internet if you, for your own research purposes, um, subject of course to um, attribution um, as they describe on their websites, but really great resource that you can use so easily for things like this for presentations and for your own interest. Stick up on your house, um, or in your kitchen. Maybe not on the outside, but um, on the inside, or you can on the outside. And next slide, we've, I've just thrown in um, two images from inside Abbotsford um, from the 40s and 50s, and they specifically relate to nitrate, because the next song we're gonna play is about nitrate films. And I don't know if Abbotsford Kodak actually um, manufactured nitrate film, but they definitely used nitrates in their silver nitrate. Um, paper um, and developer products so it's kind of a, a general guess as I said I'm not I don't work with that collection so I'm not an expert on that area but it suits this song which is all about film storage so one day I had to put some film away in a cool store and I couldn't believe how um, volatile um, some films are some nitrate films that you have to keep them at minus 20 or they can spontaneously combust and it made me think about all the, the movies I've seen in my life, all the old films and how I took in so much imagery and then grow up and kind of totally changed my mind about so many things that I thought were truths and are in fact something else. So that's what this song is. store I wait alone with the nitrates vinegar a telltale imprints life projected mindful of sound Confines first print a modern light. Volatile 
hot light Unspooling hopes protected Mindful of sounds Cinema shaping the dreamers Together or alone in the darkness I used to believe in other Thank you. So now we go back to where I grew up, which is why we're looking at the Western Waterways of Melbourne. I grew up in Yarraville, which is next to Spotswood. This is an image of Spotswood Pumping Station, which pumps all our sewerage th to the lowest point in Melbourne, fed by gravity, and then pumped uphill to Braybrook and, and to Werribee to be treated. And... The Spotswood Pumping Station, such an elegant Victorian building. As you can see there, this is an early image that shows its two um, towers of uh, smokestack towers because it was coal powered. So they had to burn a lot of coal to do all that pumping to drive the pumps. It was later turned to electricity. And when I first saw some early aerial photographs of the area, I couldn't pick Spotswood Pumping Station because I was so used to seeing the two towers um, at the front, which are... Um, in the French style, the, um, I've forgotten the name of it. Mansard. Oh, the, not the man. Yes, mansard. Polychrome. Yes, polychrome brick. There's a um, oh, it's the Second Empire style of architecture. It just escaped my mind. I was thinking, um, I was so distracted by the smokestacks because they're not there anymore, and but the two towers are. And as you can see, there's a rail line for bringing coal and various um, and servicing all the nearby industries. And of course, that building is still there and it's a museum. And I couldn't believe when I got my first job in a, in a museum working at, at ScienceWorks that I was returning to a place where I'd grown up. And little did I know, you know, that spooky feeling when you're a kid and you think, I never would have guessed that I would be back here um, doing this particular job, which my job was inventory control. Um, which I took very seriously, and I still do. Um, <laughs> yes, next slide. Um, as you can see, here is Yarraville in the 50s and 60s. Beautiful images taken by Wolfgang Sievers, held by the State Library of Victoria. And you can see mega industrial. So this is pre-Westgate Bridge. So these images, they would have been quite spectacular at the time because we're quite used to Google Maps and driving over the Westgate. Like when I would drive over the Westgate as... A kid, we would just be craning our necks to try and look down and say, there's our house, there's that street. It's quite, um, it's so thrilling to be like a bird and to look down. So it's thrilling to see these images of areas where you can't really walk down there to um, where CSR sugar refineries down on um, the Yarra River. So they're great images showing so much detail. The Yarra looks very reddy brown, doesn't it? Very um, turbulent. Next and there is part of it today. That's um, Stony Creek Backwash, which is one of our favourite areas to walk. And as you can see, there's still strong industrial character to the landscape, um, which this photo was taken at about 7.30am uh, one Saturday, and it's just so still. The water is like a mirror. And there's another early photo of, um, of the Yarra and industries along around Yarraville. 
Oh, right. Yes, just to the left of the image, you can see the sugar refining factory there. And then this is an image we stumbled across when we went to um, the sewage pumping, oh, the sewage treatment plant in Werribee. And this was this is an image showing the metropolitan farm where a lot of um, vegetables were grown using um, processed water from sewage treatment at, at Werribee. We thought Lake Borry was quite mm. funny. Um, I, I wasn't sure if it was serious or not. <laughs> I guess it is. And there's... The name's a name. It is. Um, and there's... That's me. Stu took this photo with our dog, Fern, going for a walk under the Westgate, which was last year, January last year, when we were going on one of our first psychogeography trips trying to get images um, and get to know places even more so that we could write more songs. So we'll play you Spotswood, which is about this location. the river where the factories lie and the west gate stretches across the sky I've lived north and I've moved south but I always return to the river mouth city or the secrets pour through the pipes that were laid a hundred years ago love and ruin in the straining wells rags and bodies and teeth and gold
keep you much longer we've got one last song and um, it's about um, a new area that we've been exploring and it's lovely to see our friend John Bradford in the audience thank you for taking us um, to this very special place which is a, a reserve um, a nature reserve in the west of Melbourne around Altona and it was a former salt works but before it was a salt works of course for many thousands of years it was a beautiful tidal lagoon and it's one of the places in Melbourne where you can imagine perhaps what the Birrarung and Maribyrnong deltas would have looked like before industrialisation because the, salt mar the, the naturally forming salt marshes were retained for use for solar evaporation to harvest salt. So the landscape didn't change drastically. There were some modifications made, but it's still the plant life and the birds um, are returning there as they always have for a very, very long time. So we've written a song about it and I won't go into lots of detail because you've had so much detail and waterways rambling um, from me tonight and that all of so much of this is available online that you can read and explore as well. So these are some images that we took when we, were, when we went out um, to have a look at this beautiful wetlands. And you can see um, there's beautiful sedges, the sky's huge. This is not very far from Melbourne. This is like within 10 k's out to the west. And it's actually two degrees hotter in this part of Melbourne than the rest of Melbourne, which made it perfect for solar eva evaporation um, for a salt farm, but also just interestingly, that is, it's a really hot place and um, it's magical. And there's some basalt nearby in That's Williamstown. Williamstown True, not exactly near Cheatham, but still showing that ancient, that ancient landscape right there, the volcanoes that, um, that follow all the waterways, which covered many of the waterways. And there it is. Is that the last one? There's one more. <coughs> one more. Ah, yes, there's an image of, of some people digging salt at the salt farm in um, 1946. Looks pretty harsh. When I look at that photo, I came across it in February last year and it was really hot. And I just thought, that just looks like the, w the worst activity I could imagine, <laughs> having to shovel salt. So I really felt for them. And Cheatham um, Salt Works manufactured mermaid table salt. So many of you might have actually used salt in your life that came from there or nearby in Moolap near um, Geelong. So this is a new song that will be on our next collection of songs that we will release, which is about the research that we've been doing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming tonight. We are so um, grateful that, that you're here and, and we really appreciate um, that you've be, been here to listen to us talk about what we're interested in. And thank you, Natalie, and um, the library, City of Melbourne Library at the Dock for having us. Thank you, Sarah, for doing sound. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here and we really appreciate it. So we'll leave you with our new song called Saltworks. Way 
waiting on the salt pans, watching from the high ground. Tide, 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 tide through the traps. Sun burns and burns, the crystals bright. Desiccant diamonds on silica beds, catalyst and cleaner on colonial rails to the tanneries, the abattoirs, and later the oil refinery. Sun burns and burns. The birds return White-faced herons in flight Black swans I call to We lie, 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 lie and turn Walk to the edge for forgiveness In the shallows and seagrass In the shallows and seagrass Sun burns and burns on the western shore. This inlet is hotter by two degrees. That's what they tell me. And there is the city like a cardboard cutout, linked by a bridge I crossed in my youth. Distant and grey, like I don't even know you. This was the entrance that changed everything. This was the surface now covered and carved. The buffering edges of Skeleton Creek. The sentinel flame of the refinery. The sentinel flame of the refinery. The sentinel flame. Still 